What does teaching Latin have to do with rock and heavy metal? Find out today on Classic Christian Rock with Wildman. With me here today, I have a special guest. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, have seen him on Twitter. Um, he is a blogger, he's a writer, he's a teacher, and in fact, he was the Indiana Teacher of the Year. Everybody, I want to ask you to please welcome with me Mr. Steve Perkins. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Good, good to be with you there, wild man. Yes, it is. It, it's great that we were able to do this. You know what's amazing is you follow people on Twitter, and you kind of—it's kind of like when you listen to a radio host and you wonder what they look like. Uh, when you follow people on Twitter, you kind of wonder what they sound like. Um, so <laughs> now people are going to get an idea of what you sound like. There, there, there you go. Put a, put a voice with a picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad that you joined joined me today, and uh, we're going to cover uh, some some interesting subjects here. Uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about music, folks. As you know, this series of podcasts is going to be dealing with um, the the power that music has, and specifically um, how God has used music in the lives of individuals, and 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 how how God has done that. Um, to shape and mold and, and mold us. If you followed Steve much, you've noticed that um, on his blog, as well as on his Twitter account, there are certain styles of music that he appreciates. And uh, there's one that him and I really resonate with, and we'll get into that later. Um, but, you know, right now, Steve, if you could just just give us a little background, first of all, if you, if you could just talk about what you do, what your ministry is um, as a teacher, your blog, how all that started and um, and what's brought you up to today. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm a husband and a father. And uh, if everything else uh, disappeared tomorrow, um, honestly, that'd be OK with me. Uh, it's it's husband and father. That's uh, really number one. Um I've been married uh, to my uh, wonderful wife, Melissa, uh, for, oh golly, um, getting close to 30 years, and um, have two wonderful children, uh, Austin and Olivia, and um, really being able to father them, uh, that is the true work of my life, and so that's, that's, that's the most exciting thing for me. Um, I've been a teacher uh, for... Again, about 30 years uh, at the middle school, high school, um, and undergraduate levels. Uh, and I teach Latin, and that gets a lot of people's attention because I say, hey, I didn't know they still taught Latin. And the answer is yes. <laughs> Latin is actually alive and well. Um, I teach currently at uh, uh, one of the larger high schools, public high schools in the state of Indiana. And uh, we actually have seven languages at our school that we teach, and Latin uh, has often been right in the hunt, right in there behind Spanish and French. So uh, we have a very uh, good good program there, and so I've been blessed to be able to teach that. Um, I teach, like I say, I teach Latin, uh, but I also do a lot of writing. Uh, I've written uh, numerous books and articles in my field of classical studies, uh, but then also I do a lot of blogging uh, online and uh, the blogs kind of range different things. I've got a blog, uh, really primarily about education issues, um, stemming from my time as uh, Indiana teacher of the year. I've got a blog that is dedicated to one of my passions that you've already uh, referenced, uh, rock and roll. Uh, it's called the Roman rocker. Uh, so tying in the Latin with uh, rock and roll. 
And then I've got a, another blog that I do. Um, this one has been going on for now, really about a couple decades, uh, called Online Devotions. And that started years ago uh, when we were at a particular church. And I thought, boy, there's got to be a way to help the teens of our church uh, get into the Word. And so I decided to send out, at that time just by email, uh, a little devotion, just a verse of Scripture, a short reflection, and a prayer. Uh, to the teens of the church we attended at the time. Well, that quickly grew into uh, adult subscriptions uh, by email, uh, and then eventually it took on a, a blog format as well. So, so yeah, a lot of writing, a lot of teaching, and um, a lot of listening to rock and roll. <laughs> wow, a, quite a combination there, you know. Um, and and don't take this the hard, the wrong way, of course, but. Uh, I, I would guess that you are probably the first Latin teacher I met who's into rock and roll and heavy metal. Uh, you know, we're well, Latin teachers by themselves are a rare breed. And so certainly our <laughs> <laughs> rock and Latin teachers uh, even rarer. Uh, I will say there's a colleague of mine uh, over in uh, Illinois, um, and I'll give her a little shout out, Marcine Farley. Uh, she definitely has a heart for rock and roll. Uh, she has... Met a lot of famous people. In fact, she uh, uh, texted me a picture one time. She actually met Dee Snyder, uh, the lead singer from Twisted Sister. Oh, wow. And he yeah. has a tattoo that has uh, Latin on it. And so she got a picture with <laughs> Dee uh, flexing his Latin tattoo. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's, it's amazing how... Um, how things begin to resonate and, and the more you begin to meet people, the more you see things that you have in common that you didn't realize it before. Um, you know, like, like for example, one of the things that I've noticed as a pastor, um, people didn't, you know, a lot of people that I pastor, especially the teenagers now, they didn't see me 25 uh, years ago with my long hair, leather, all that. They see me now and they, and they think, oh, he wouldn't understand. And then, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, you, you have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there, there's, there's a lot of things that I think that um, the rock music industry, heavy metal, all of that, um, one of the things that it did for me specifically when I was in high school was it definitely broke down stereotypes and it definitely taught me not to judge by appearance. Um, and I think the scriptures are very clear on that. You know, Samuel's clear on that. Um, it's clear in the New Testament as well. Um, but there is an issue with that in the church community. And I don't want to get you know, open up a can of worms or be controversial here. But just to start with, Steve, one question that comes to my mind is, why do you think the church has a hard time embracing um, rock music or even even Christian rock? They they had such a difficult, it took them years to be able to embrace it. And it's interesting now that most of our worship we have in, in our contemporary churches is what the church used to be against. Um, right, right. You know, so what, what from your perspective what what do you think that what what do you think causes that issue? I think there's probably several things but the first thing that comes to mind uh is the connection uh you know the kind of the unholy trinity if you will of sex drugs and rock and roll. Uh and and I think there's just something about um the music and again I think there's a lot of, of factors that feed into that why certain behaviors uh certain activities uh, indeed, certain substances uh, were off 
often seen in and around, um, you know, the music industry and, and, and the, the making of music. Uh, and so I think certain styles in particular uh, lent themselves to that. And I think there's an under, understandable, um, you know, desire to to protect oneself, one's children uh, from those things. And so, hey, if if this style of music is associated with or seems to be uh, enjoyed by uh, and made by uh, people who are indulging in uh, sinful behavior, well, let's let's get a, get away from that, right? We we don't want that. I don't want that in my home. I don't want that in my church. Uh, so I think you can kind of understand that um, some of where that comes from. Uh, where it goes um, kind of off the rails is assuming that there's something about the music per se. Now, certainly there can be something in the lyrical content um, that is not God honoring or that is, uh, you know, promoting uh, again, whether it's um, you know, illicit drug use or uh, right, um, right. Uh, loose morality, uh, but the music itself, really, there is, you know, there, obviously there's not a connection um, there. And, and so, yeah, I think it kind of then by extension got a bad rap. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that makes sense. I mean, you see a lot of the things, you know, going from our era, I'm making some assumptions here when I say our era, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, going into the 80s, um, you did have a lot of drug issues in the rock and heavy metal scene. No question. The drug, sex, all of that. If you read anything that was going on during that time, even if you... I started reading, I don't know if you've read it, Steve, but I started reading uh, The Dirt by Motley Crue. Um, I didn't watch the movie, uh, but I, you know, I haven't got to that yet, but I just started reading it. And the lifestyle was, it, it was definitely something we don't want our kids listening to. No question as far as what they were doing. And, and it's interesting when you look at bands now, when you look at them now, for example, um, uh, there's a lot of consequences they're facing for the lifestyle they had back then. Um, right. And, and so you see a lot of that. And so they're really start, you know, one of the interesting things is they started to become just by me reading that book. Um, I, they started to become real people to me. They, you know, like I was able to see why they were the way they were, why their background was caused them to be the way they were, why they were so, angry, rebellious, whatever term you want to use. Um, so there's def that, that is definitely a part of it. And, and, and of course, you go through the whole issue of Petra, Striper, um, White Cross, Baron Cross, all the ones coming out saying, hey, we're Christian and we're singing the same music then. I mean, I went to concerts when I was in high school and I walked through picket lines where uh, our preachers were out there saying we were going to hell because we were walking into a Petra concert. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so that was the... That's what we were facing at the time. Um, but I will say now, um, and I've said this before and on my blog, if it wasn't for a man like Petra, I mean, they they made my life in high school. I saw them 16 times and it, they their music was just was enough to keep me discipled. Now, God could use anything to disciple me. Yes, there's no question. But God definitely used Petra in my life. There, there's there's no question about that. Oh, um, and, and I, I totally agree with that. The one thing I'll say is, is actually um, my youth pastor, um, Sunday school teacher at the time, uh, that made me aware of Striper. Uh, <laughs> I think he had a cassette, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and I saw it, and then went out to the record store, and you know, back in those days, you you know, you didn't know 
kind of, you were buying albums. You didn't really know what you're going to get because you didn't couldn't listen to an individual track, uh, you know, off of iTunes or, or something back then. And um, and then I got hooked with it. But uh, very much the same thing. Um, you know, I think for a young man growing up and uh, hearing, you know, that thunderous, you know, anthem kind of music, but yeah. it's it's glorifying yeah. Jesus. And so that that totally came along and, and strengthened uh, my faith. Um, and uh, in fact, I've got a playlist on my uh, phone uh, called God Speaking Through Striper. And it's particular <laughs> songs. Uh, from their catalog that I've pulled out into a separate playlist where, where God has very clearly uh, spoken to me, encouraged me uh, through that. So, yeah, to- totally totally get where you're coming from, Petrova, likewise. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, Striper was one I, I could not get into until I was in my 20s, and the reason was because it was not allowed in our home. Um, I could go as far as Petra, but, you know, parents would not permit Striper in our home. Um and, you know, like as you talk, justifiably so, because they looked at them and they, they thought they were the same as the other metal bands and everything that was happening at the time. Um, but, Steve, it, maybe if you could just share a little bit more to maybe get a little personal here. Um, you just touched on it a bit, but how has God used music in your life to shape you and disciple you? Wow. Uh, golly, in, in, in so many ways. Um, I... I love music, um, and while I, I sang in choirs, uh, really from junior high up through uh, undergraduate uh, college, um, never did any other kind of uh, performance, and uh, I dabbled in guitar a little bit, but nothing really. Uh, so I'm not a producer of music. I don't I don't create music really, uh, but I I enjoy it so much, and really widely. Um, uh, widely varying styles. Um, sure, my, my guilty pleasure is uh, classic hard rock and metal, uh, but uh, country, uh, classical, blues, jazz, uh, southern gospel, um, all of those have in one way or another and at different times, uh, you know, really spoken to me. Um, you know, there, uh, there are some, of course, great uh, and incredible classical arrangements of, you know, classical songs, uh, most of which with Latin texts, uh, which appeals, uh, you know, to a Latin teacher. Uh, but uh, one of the great uh, medieval hymns is the Stabat Mater, uh, which literally just translates to "A Mother Was Standing," and it's it's the, the lyrics are really about Mary at uh, standing by the cross of Jesus, and it's been set to music uh, by numerous composers. And it was actually not too long ago, probably the last 10 years or so, uh, one of my students introduced me to uh, the composer uh, Arvo Pert and his rendition of it. And when I listened to it, 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 the only word that can describe it is exquisite. Mm. It is exquisite. Um, And there is no rendition in any of the renditions I've ever heard uh, from any of the classical composers his gets it right in terms yeah. of the essence of the song. <laughs> the mother was standing next to the cross on which her son was hanging. Uh, and it, it you know, goes from there, uh, and you're just drawn into the, to the pain of this mother 
yes, it's it's Mary, but it's also th- this is a mother seeing her son be executed uh, right. on behalf of, of for her and for all of us. Uh, and then the, the song turns about halfway through and, and the, the point of view is, I want to know that as well. I want to suffer along with you in the sense of I want to, to be that close to Christ on the cross. Well, Peart's version of this is it, it just gets it right uh, in terms of the music. And, and I just, you just feel your soul uh, expand as you listen to something like that. Um, I, I remember driving to, to school one day and listening to a song by Rich Mullins and just coming unglued and crying um, in the car. I'm driving to school in, in, early in the morning, and um, I, I don't know what it was, uh, but God was, was breaking something in me uh, through that particular song, being reminded of his promises. Uh, and I will, and I'll tell you this, um, I grew up in a church where, uh, we, we had hymnals, uh, we had a church choir. And so I learned all the great, uh, hymns growing up. Uh, now we attend a church like you were talking earlier, uh, you know, praise band and uh, praise choruses, a very different style of music. Right. Uh, but I am so grateful for those old hymns because I got to hold my father's hand as he was passing from this life to the next. And then just two years later, I got to do the same for my father-in-law and with, for both of those men, I distinctly remember sitting in a hospital room and holding their hand and just gently singing hymn after hymn after hymn. And the words just came one song after another, you know, the, the lyrics just, just came, uh, from, from memory and to be able to sing those songs to, like I say, to my father and father-in-law, uh, as they transition from this life to the next, um, those are two of the most special moments of my life. And I'm so grateful for having had those hymns in my, my background. Um, and then they were there. They were there yeah. when I needed them. Uh, they were there to to bless uh, these two men um, at that uh, the latter moments of their life on this earth. So, uh, yeah, music has had a tremendous influence and and a tremendous um, role to play in the living out of my faith. Yeah, sure, sounds like it, man. That's those are incredible experiences. You know, those are experiences where we can't. Um, we struggle even articulating or explaining those those type of experiences. And that's why I'm so intrigued by the idea of music being so powerful. Um, you know, when you listen to an instrumental piece and and, you know, you mentioned the classical and you mentioned the hymns and, and I agree with you there. Um, but I would also add that, um, you know, the classical pieces are so strong but you can see, but the, they, but there's the same element in a musician today who might be playing a, a guitar solo for a rock or heavy metal band. Um, in fact, many people don't realize this, but as a guitarist, I, I can vouch for the fact that there's a, a, many of the most popular solos from the popular rock bands you have heard have the roots in classical music and, and classical guitar. Um, yes. You know, they, they, they really connect strongly there. 
Um, well, yeah, like, a lot of those guys had had really solid musical backgrounds. Um, and again, yeah. I think that's one of the the unfortunate stereotypes is. And again, let's be honest, based on uh, just appearances, right? Oh, well, here's some guy. He's got long hair. He's got earrings. He's got uh, wild clothing. Um, you know, he must be a Neanderthal. Uh, well, no, that's not the case. Uh, <laughs> some of these guys uh, had serious musical ba- or have uh, serious musical backgrounds. Um, yeah. And they've happened to, you know, they've, they've chosen a, you know, a stack of uh, Marshall amps but to back them up. But you know, they, they've, they've got that musical background and, and some of them uh, a good literary background to inform their lyrics as well. Yes. Yeah. And and, and, and that's one of the things, you know, because, um, as you say, the stereotypes, um, but you're talking, you know, e- even the worst ones. I mean, even even the worst ones that were out there or are, are still out there today that, that we would say their lifestyle is the worst example for the youth or whatever, however we want to say that. That even you cannot, from a musical perspective, knock the talent that is actually being displayed. Exactly. Um, th- there's no question. These guys did not just wake up and just throw something together in an hour. These guys have spent hours um, putting this together, um, and they have incredible ability and incredible talent that God has given them. And some use it, and some thank God and glorify God in it, and others do not. And we and we understand that. But we can't take away from the musical ability um, that we see. Um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned the classical and the hymns. So, how do you how do you connect that um, with the rock and the metal that you're also a fan of? Well, you know, again, just as as you said, uh, with some of these um, musicians, they've got backgrounds in classical music, and certainly there's uh, been an overlap, uh, whether it's from influence to uh, you know really more more overt uh, expressions, the connection between the hymns and rock, the really great hymns and and really great rock have this in common. They are bold, they're uncompromising, uh, they're clear, uh, they're forceful. And for me, understanding the gospel, I'm I'm thinking, well, well why would you want any other musical expression uh, than that. Um, you know, a, a mighty fortress is our God. I mean, that is a powerful piece of music and a powerful lyric. Um, and, and so is To Hell with the Devil uh, by Stripers. So y- y- there's a connection there in the, like I say, the boldness of expression connecting with a message um, that needs to be shouted from the rooftops. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And I think there's something to that, um, uh, to the style, as you say, the in your face type of style, which which is interesting because in the 80s, you know, it was the whole rebellious thing. And then you had Striper coming along doing the opposite thing um, with To Hell with the Devil. It was in your face, but it was the opposite of what the others were saying at the time. Um, So which really was making them the true rebels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. It was. There was no question. And I encourage anyone out there who hasn't read uh, Michael Sweet's book, honestly, make sure you read that. Um, it is a, an incredible book that um, is transparent. Michael is honest all the way through, talks about the struggles, talks about the highs and the lows of his walk with Christ and the band's issues. Um, but it also gives you a picture of the music industry as well. 
And one of the th- one of the things I got from that book, Steve, was the I got the picture that there's a lot of these young guys that are out there, very similar to athletes, and that the agents are signing them up and they're just telling them what to do. And a lot of the images that were put forth really weren't sincerely from the band members themselves as much as it was the agents that were making money off of them. Um, sure. Did you get that, did yeah. you get that picture at all? No, I, I, I did. And I'll say when you were referencing um, Motley Crue's The Dirt, I, I was thinking of uh, Michael Sweet's um, uh, autobiography, honestly. And what you said about The Crew, I had the same reaction when reading Sweet's book. It really brought home that these are regular folks you know we have this tendency whether it's a musician whether it's an um an entertainer from another field athlete uh elected official anyone who's on this this larger than life stage we assume that they are really almost a a how you want to put it, almost like a comic character almost a superhero kind of character they're larger than life and at the end of right. the day all right. these people every single one of them puts their head on a pillow at night and goes to sleep, yeah. and they get up the next morning, and they brush yeah. their teeth, and they are regular people who have regular issues just like the rest of us. Yeah. And the the sad thing is, and this is just like part of the fallen humanity, when you have people of uh, particular talent, again, athletic, musical, or whatever, you will always have the vultures. You will always have those people that are coming around um, feigning authenticity, but really just trying to make the quick buck uh, off of these people. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, if you're in your you know late teens, early 20s, and you suddenly hit the big time, and the world is your oyster, it's, it's all within reach, there are going to be some hard temptations to say no to. Yes, very well said, well put. And, and that's where when you start seeing interviews with some of these guys um, uh, later on in life, you really start to feel for them. Um, Cause you, you know, some of them are dealing with a lot of the effects of the drug abuse yeah. and, and many, many things that they regret at this time. Um, well, and, and, you know, consider this, how many of these guys um, and, and we, we kind of using the term guys generically there, uh, certainly this goes for the, uh, the female rockers as well, but, how many of these folks had a Christian or at least some sort of a church background? A lot of them, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And they may have strayed. Some of them may have made an actual break and renounced any kind of faith that they had, but quite a number of them come back to it, uh, in later life and say, wow, boy, did I screw up? You know, I, I indulged in these behaviors but then come back around. And, uh, you know, you think of, um, you know, Dave Mustaine uh, from uh, Megadeth. You think of, um, uh, you know, Brian Head Welch from Corn. You think of Alice Cooper, you know, Alice, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. the son of a pastor. And, uh, and I love Alice's story. I mean, here's a guy with one of the really long rock star marriages. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's had his issues. Uh, but he has certainly come back to uh, his his Christian faith. Blackie Lawless from Wasp. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness! Right. Um, you know, coming back around. So, uh, Tommy Aldridge, the drummer from uh, White Snake, and before that he was in you know Black Oak, Arkansas. Uh, a solid Christian guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned Blackie Lawless. Uh, you know, I got into that when he came out with Golgotha uh, a couple years ago or a few years ago, whenever that was. And I saw an interview with him and somebody was asking him about, um, by the way, this is Blackie Lawless from Wasp, folks, if you've never heard of that. Um, they were asking him about like this conversion and they were, you know, it, it gets to that point where people are cynical about it, you know. How, how do we know you're really sincere? Are you doing this just to make money? Are you losing sales? You know, that type of thing. Because, you know, we heard the testimony from Alice Cooper recently, and then now we have uh, Blackie Lawless. And one of the things that Blackie said that stuck out in my mind, and he was just straight up. He didn't pull, um, pull any punches. He said, there's only so many songs you can write about um, girls and drugs. <laughs> just, he, he just said yeah. it right out. He said, you know, yeah. eventually you run out of material, you know? And, yeah. and when you look at the lyrics he has in that CD of Golgotha, you, every single song, you, you can see a difference um, compared to what he wrote when he was much younger. Oh, you, yeah. you, you see somebody who really sure. matured, matured sure. Uh, completely. So you see, you, so it's great to see God doing that. So a uh, couple more things I have for you, Steve. I don't want to take up too much time here, but there's a couple more things I want to uh, hear your perspective on. In your role as a teacher, how has music shaped what you do and how you teach kids? Uh, you don't have enough time on your podcast. <laughs> 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 on a more substantive level, um, uh, had this brilliant young lady, brilliant. Um, in fact, she just graduated about a year ago and, uh, she's majoring in something ridiculously above me in the, uh, sciences. <laughs> uh, but, uh, very strong, passionate Christian young lady. And, uh, somehow or another, I don't even remember how it got started. Uh, but I did mention something that was about Striper or blood good or somebody. Well, that did get her into Christian rock, um, and it wasn't so much that it was forbidden for her; it just it just wasn't in her scope. It just she wasn't aware of it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, this is really really great stuff, you know. So uh, certainly was able to um, to kind of use that, and and that's one of the neat things um, as a teacher. I always say, you know, it, it, it's not as if you know students got to sign off on on the Nicene Creed or the Lord's Prayer in order to pass my class. Well, you know, that would be both illegal and wrong. Uh, that, that doesn't serve, that doesn't serve the kingdom. That doesn't serve their uh, development in faith. Uh, and of course, it's just that that has no place. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if there's a young person that, you know, hey, they come walking in with a for king and country t-shirt on, Right. Or they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they've got their, their study Bible with them and you see that, well, they, the door's already been opened a little bit there. And so you can kind of start to engage with them and talk with them. Oh, Hey, you like for King and country. Wow. So does my son. Uh, he's a really huge for King and country fan. Um, and so then you can start those whole conversations and, and bolster them in their faith and encourage them in their faith. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's amazing how, how God, uh, God uses that and uses that connection. Um, and, and your job is a ministry in that way and, and how, how he's using you to bring kids closer to Christ. And, you know, one of the goals I've always thought of is our job is to uh, meet people where they are, wherever they are, and encourage them to take the next step towards Christ. Um, there you go. You know, you know whatever, whatever that may be. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, finally, um, you know, I know that um, you, you, we, we talked already a lot about, you know, we touched on Striper, we touched on Michael Sweet. I know you've had the opportunity to meet Michael and I know you've had the opportunity to interview him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to hear from you, someone who's met him, because um, I've seen him in concert once and I read his articles and listened to his music, but never been able to meet him. Um, if you could just give us an idea of, you know, what Striper's like based upon how you uh, what your experience was, what it was like in meeting him as a, in, in person. Yeah, the, the one word immediately just flashed to mind. And it's genuine, genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've had the chance to meet him. Oh, golly. Um, three or four times, about four or four times, I guess. Uh, and then um, got to meet the whole band once at a, at a meet and greet, which that was, of course, you know, it was kind of quick and, and go through. But um, Michael, uh, at least, and I, I think that's something that from everything I see and read seems to be similar for the, for the rest of the band. Um, he really cares about the fans. He really yeah. genuinely cares about the fans. I remember a, a concert. Uh, in fact, it was the first rock concert really that uh, I took my son to. He was 13 and we went over to Illinois and Striper was playing an acoustic set. Uh, and it's the first time I'd seen Striper since the eighties. Mm. And I couldn't believe it. I'm going to see this band from the, I love back in the eighties. I'm going to take my son. This is great. So we're standing outside the venue and Holy mackerel, Michael comes walking out <laughs> and he comes just walking out just to hang with the people who are in line. Wow. Dude, wow. you got to be kidding me, man. I'm going, going ballistic. Yeah. Well, I shout out a question to him and, and he sees my son and me and my son had this shirt on. We'd actually, uh, my son and I had actually taken his Lego pieces and had reconstructed in Lego more or less the cover of the no more hell to pay album. Okay. And we'd made our own t-shirts, right? So Michael sees this and he's like, oh, wow. He's like, you like Legos. So my son, like, yeah, 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 I kind of do. All right. And so he invites us over and we take some pictures with him. And just in that moment, the way he's interacting with my son, 13 years old, right? I'm like, dude, you're going on stage here in about an hour mm-hmm. and you're out here hanging with people. You're talking to this little boy. That is really cool. And then I've seen him. That was the first time I met him. And then in other venues uh, where I've had a chance to talk to him or a little bit more at length, um, it's always the same thing. And that's what I got again. As I said earlier, I got out of that book, uh, honestly. He's a regular guy. He's a regular guy. And, And he's a pretty good dude at that. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you had the opportunity to meet him, and uh, maybe, maybe he will accept an invitation for me to be on this podcast. That'd be great. That'd be uh, awesome. Yeah, that'd be great someday. So if you see him again, or Michael, if you happen to be listening, uh, you can uh, direct message me, and we can make that happen. Um, you know, and one of the things that I, I'd like to uh, conclude with here, Steve, is the idea that um, God has given us music. There's no question. And he uses uh, people in our lives, bands and musicians in our lives to speak messages to us. Um, but one of the things I think I want to make very clear is that as followers of Christ, we do have a standard. And that comes from his word. 
And so everything we listen to as believers in Christ needs to be filtered through his word. Um, and that's good. That, and that goes back to the idea of not letting anything influence us in the wrong direction. Right. Um, and and so I, I want to make sure that, that that's clear. Now, having said all of that, you know, this podcast, the purpose of it is 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 about um, how music uh, is powerful. And and uh, the my weekly wonder question uh, for everybody out there just to be meditating on and thinking about is why is music so powerful? That's the uh, that's the that's the main question. But but specifically for you, Steve, you know, one of the things, people, if you want to follow somebody who has tremendous connection when it comes to music and connecting that with the scriptures through his blogs, um, he does an incredible job with that. Um, be sure to be following Steve. Um, and it's at um, I N T O Y 2014 Indiana teacher of the year 2014 on Twitter. Um, how else can they find you, Steve? Oh, that's probably the best way. Um, I'm the same handle on Instagram. Um, my education blog starts out the same way. I N T O Y 2014, um, Um, then, uh, from there you can find my other stuff. There's the Roman rocker that's uh, another one specifically uh, about music and then uh, online uh, devotions uh, on WordPress, uh, which is a weekly uh, online devotion uh, that I do. Great. Great. And folks, I highly recommend everything he does. Um, you can just see just from the things that he even just simply tweets out or responds to on Twitter. Um, he's definitely a man of integrity and professionalism that I really appreciate, the character that you put forth on everything you do, Steve. That's one of the things that inspires me and uh, encouraged me to invite you to be on this podcast today. Well, I got to tell you, I appreciate the invitation. I was uh, really excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Um, so thank you for joining me today, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. That would be great. Would love it. I really enjoyed the discussion I had with Latin high school teacher and writer and author uh, Steve Perkins. What I love the most about this discussion from this interview was Steve's heart to find a way to connect with his students to bring them closer to Christ. And he did this through music, and he has, continues to do it through music, which tells me that music is a very powerful tool um, that God has given all of us, not not just for enjoyment, but also so that we can connect with others and use that in a way to reach others for the kingdom. You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, and that includes everyone. So I encourage you, listener, find a way to use the music that you enjoy and that you appreciate to connect with others and see how God can use it to bring them closer to Christ. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I will see you soon.